to God in the Wild, a podcast exploring the faith journeys of members of Idlewild Presbyterian Church. This podcast is produced by the Young Adult Ministry in collaboration with the Nurture Ministry Unit. This season, our conversations will explore our community's experiences of the year 2020. I'm Elizabeth Doolin, the Director of Young Adult Ministry. And I'm Jacob Pierce, the Director of the Nurture Ministry Unit. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Right, welcome everyone to God in the Wild. It is May 27th, and I am currently at the Ukirk House with Jessica Joshi. Um, my name is Elizabeth Doolin. I am the Director of Young Adult Ministry at Idlewild Presbyterian Church. Uh, Jessica, could you tell us a little about yourself? Yes, so um, my name is Jessica Joshi. I just graduated from St. Mary's and I, um, I'm headed to Rhodes next fall. And at Idlewild, I, I've actually been thinking about how I wanted to introduce myself because I feel like forever I always said that I'm a child of the church, but I guess I can't say that anymore. Maybe this is my first time coming out as a young adult. So <laughs> now young adult at the church and... Um, I am a, I served as the elder on the session and I've kind of just been on a bunch of random different committees like youth ministries and one celebrating Steve and the one celebrating Ann Apple when they retired. So yeah, Jessica is very involved. <laughs> um, I'm all about still being a child of the church. Yeah. At whatever age you're Oh, at. I feel like I'm going to come back and be 30 years old and still consider myself a child. So I'll take it. I'll take good, it. Good. I love it. So what we've been doing in a lot of these interviews over the past few months is reflecting on people's experiences of the pandemic. So if you could think back to March of 2020, when everything started shutting down, what was your initial reaction? So I think looking back I've been doing a lot of thinking back because it's almost like full circle been literally one year and I think it's really important for me to think of the person I was then and what I valued and kind of what I thought about and how I saw myself and saw the world and I remember we were in New Mexico it was my spring break and I remember watching the news hearing all about everything shutting down my first thing was is I thought it wasn't real I thought everyone was losing their mind and that everyone needed to just calm down and chill out. And as things started kind of getting canceled and I would be getting emails and pings when school was out for two weeks, I I remember the biggest thing I was so nervous about on the plane ride home was that my SAT was about to get canceled. And I was like, no, this was going to be my last time I was taking the SAT I can't believe this is happening. And I think the biggest thought that I kept having was like, I can't believe this is happening to me. Mm. And it's about me and school is shutting down. I can't, I can't do all of the things that I normally wanted to do. I can't be with my track team. I can't compete in meets and I can't do all of the things that I wanted to do. And I think that was before I really understood what was going on, but I think that all of those thoughts I was having are so indicative of where I was at the time was, oh my gosh, 
how is this happening to me and this is putting such a problem on me regardless of people were getting sick family members were getting sick and all I could think about was taking the SAT well and it did affect each of us individually Mm -hmm. in such different ways so yeah I think as an initial reaction I totally get that um and I think I felt similarly in not feeling like it was totally real at first Mm -hmm. I remember I think, um, so I went to Vanderbilt Divinity School and I saw that Vanderbilt was one of the first schools to cancel in-person classes in Tennessee. And my thought was like, there's not even a case of coronavirus in Tennessee yet. What, what's happening? What are we freaking out about? Yeah. 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 And then, you know, um, Rhodes wasn't long after that. Mm -hmm. And then U of M wasn't long after that, which did affect me in Mm -hmm. my other job as Ukirk campus minister. And having to yeah. figure out what campus ministry was going to look like. And I also remember the young adult men's retreat, us having to cancel that. Mm-hmm. And that feeling like a really hard decision at the time. But then a few months later, it was like, oh, of course we wouldn't send wouldn't like yeah. 12 people to go stay in a house together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, of course that's what we would, would do. Yeah. Um, but at the time, it all felt like we were making such hard decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it all just shows that kind of going back to, there's a definite before and after like me before and after the Mm. pandemic. And I think all of those thoughts about like me, me, me beforehand, it, I think it was all just, I was so afraid of not having the things that I normally like cling on to. Like, oh, I need school to give me a sense of purpose. I need track to give me this. And not having that, it's like, what am I supposed to do with myself? Like, yeah. when I take away all of these things, and I think that's why I was so denying it all or wanting to believe that it was so ridiculous is that I was so afraid of like having all of these things that I normally cling mm. on to just suddenly pulled the rug out from under me and have none of those things to kind of come back to. Yeah. So what do you think you learned about yourself when you didn't have those other things to hold on to? I was in a funk. I was in a funk for a long time. I So I'm an Enneagram type three. Okay. Which is the <laughs> achiever or the performer. I know a lot of threes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's almost like I spend so much time like, thinking about what you're thinking of me, what other people are thinking of me, how I can kind of achieve, get ahead, do all that stuff. And once you take that away, I, there's like nothing to fill Mm. that void. There was really nothing left Mm -hmm. to come back to. And like not having eyes on me, not performing. It's like, what, what am I doing? (laughs) Who am I without all of this stuff that I use to kind of like validate myself or measure my success? It's, there was nothing to come back to. And that was mm. terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what have you, what have you found in the time since then that sort of helped you feel like you? So I, that was when I really got into running. So okay. I've been, I'm a lifelong runner. And it was then that I really started running for the sake of running. There was no one to compete with. There was no, I wasn't, we weren't allowed to see each other on the team. 
there was no one holding me accountable or telling me what to do or how far. And I just kind of went off in my own. I discovered new trails in Memphis and it was like what I did when no one was watching Mm -hmm. and just kind of learning how to do that for the sake of me. Mm -hmm. And also I was doing a lot of stuff like really diving into the podcast world and just kind of going off and taking these long walks and just thinking about thinking about things other than myself and Uh like learning like diving into puzzles and reading more Mm -hmm. and all of the things that I never let myself do just because I had all these other I had all this other noise that was distracting me from like I think just sitting and yeah being yeah yeah no I I totally get that I I feel like there were there were a few months in the pandemic that I really got to take advantage of that opportunity to Mm -hmm. use time for projects that were not like quote unquote productive. Um, When I was younger, I played piano. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I bought a keyboard off of Craigslist. I love it. I love it. (laughs) And I am not a good piano player, Mm -hmm. but I had so much fun just sort of like piddling around with mm-hmm. it um and trying to play like taylor swift songs um yeah. <laughs> heck yeah, yeah. All those new albums i out. know so much good material and you know since then things have picked back up and mm-hmm. my schedule has gotten a lot busier and i haven't had the chance to do that as much mm-hmm. um so as hard as this past year and a half has been there is a little part of me that longs for that space for mm-hmm. activities that don't serve any purpose mm-hmm. other than our own joy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you've had a unique experience in that you've gone through this as a high schooler. Yeah. Yeah. So what what has it been like to go through both well, your junior and mm-hmm. senior year of high school in a pandemic? Ooh, so my junior year, I was headed kind of down a, like a bad way. I was getting really into like the school and like, like when I was in it, I was like in it. Like mm-hmm. I was just a ball of like anxiety and like total tunnel vision on all of these things. And it was just like walls were closing in. It was getting to be a lot. And almost having this immediate switch flip where it was all of that was taken away it was freeing in a way to not have such tunnel vision like I was kind of at the end of my rope before we got Mm. out of spring break Mm -hmm. and not having that pressure of coming back to it was a huge weight off my chest and it's almost like once you get out of it I I it's really hard for me now to think about how I was so in it. Yeah. Now that yeah. I realize that there's life outside of all of these things. So I junior, I finished out junior year. It was fine. And we came back to senior year. And it was just... So when you go to an all-girls school since that's been around since like the Civil War, you have a lot of tradition. Uh-huh. Like a lot of traditions. Like things that people's grandmothers have been doing forever and they're waiting to do it and a lot of rites of passages Mm -hmm. and so I 
right before we had gotten out for spring break, I was elected our senior class president. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was just going to be planning, like, reception after graduation and all those little things. And it was almost this moment of, oh, my gosh, how are we going to keep connection, keep this community alive when there's nothing, none of those normal things. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool because I got to step into this role of, okay, take away all of these normal things that we expected and that we wanted. And now what can we do? What can we fill that with? And I think it's just been cool to watch people that I've grown up with step into roles as like leaders and people who are also learning how to hold pretty much to just hold on to each other and hold this community yeah. together. That's all you like all we yeah. could do. Yeah. And just learning how to lead while also just not leading unconventionally is the only mm. way I can put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting that you were kind of like forced into this bigger mm-hmm. leadership role than you had it, anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. What, what did that look like with you and other students and trying to cultivate community when you couldn't be together? Well, I think I like to believe that I was very like, rah, rah, let's stick together. Butterflies and rainbows. <laughs> but no, there was a lot of resentment. I had a mm. lot of resentment towards people who went out on Halloween and got the school shut down for a pandemic outbreak or getting frustrated when people were saying things like, oh my gosh, this event is terrible. And I'm like, oh, I but I spent a month planning it. <laughs> uh-huh. And stuff like, I think... I'd like to say that I really stepped into this role as a compassionate, empathetic <laughs> leader, uh-huh. but no, there was a lot of, like, there was just a lot of heartache and arguments. And yeah. It, I think I, it taught me that it's not going to be glamorous. Yeah. And that, that's just, that's what it is. Yeah. 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 Man, you had to learn some, some life lessons pretty early. Yeah. Because when you're a, a leader... Uh, you face scrutiny (laughs) and people don't always like the things that you do. I don't know. Part of me is like, oh, I'm sorry you had to go through that, but it's also probably a good thing. No, thank God I did. Yeah, it's opened me up a bit. Yeah. 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 Well, I imagine you did a a much more graceful job at it than you (laughs) give yourself credit for. (laughs) So not only... Are you clearly an active student at St. Mary's, but are also a very active member of Idlewild? Mm -hmm. So how has your understanding of what it means to be a part of the church changed in the pandemic? So I think people always, adults in the church would always kind of say that, oh, the church isn't a place. It's not, it's not just the house of worship. And I don't think I actually put that together until we literally took away the actual like brick and mortar building and didn't have that idea of church. Like for me, my involvement with church had always been tied to that. It's the place. It is that really pretty building on Union Avenue that I go to on Sundays and I dress up and I look kind of cute and I sit there for an hour and then maybe I go to a committee meeting and I leave. But it wasn't until we had none of that. Mm. It was kind of getting phone calls and 
texts from members of the church getting sweet little letters from like my confirmation mentor and different adults in my life and I don't think I realized how much I counted on these I'm gonna go as far as to say like my family at Idlewild Mm -hmm. like these were the adults that had raised me and kind of shaped me into who I am and having them gone and separated was actually a big toll on me I'd say it was it was probably one of the hardest separations I'd had to have and I I just remember the first food bank the first food bank um it was the first time I'd seen my best friend Abigail Apple and (laughs) just kind of being reunited with everyone in that space it it felt like I was coming home and I'm not even trying to be like dramatic or fluffy when I say that uh-huh. like it was actually coming home yeah to these people who know me and that I know mm-hmm. and I think it took me to realize that the church is the people who make it up and I think realizing that it made me want to dive deeper into the connections and really just figure out what it is that makes people drawn to each other and how we can build off of that and build each other up Mm. yeah wow that's just like a really beautiful discovery (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 it sounds like you really figured out that like this was a family more than a place and I think it's also just I didn't realize how much I'd been shaped by those people Mm -hmm. until I couldn't really see them anymore and I think it took losing that, losing, having that taken away to realize that these people don't care what I look like on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. They don't care if I show up wearing a sweatshirt on the committee Zoom meeting. Mm -hmm. Is that it's about how we love each other and how we can connect and Mm -hmm. relate to each other. Mm -hmm. And I, that's, that's what I realized I wanted to do for the rest of my life is kind of build that community and yeah. figure out what what makes a, a community like Idlewild so strong and so welcoming and inviting that that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, you know, in the, that process of, you know, re-understanding what it means to be the church how have you also seen God at work in this time and in the world and both in your own life? So I think I can't, there's like a big part of the pandemic that I haven't really had a big chance to kind of address Mm. in that it, it kind of set me up for this big transformation. So right, let's see. Probably at the beginning of the pandemic and all throughout, I, um, I have been, I had anorexia nervosa and I was diagnosed in what, December, I think. And that's a big factor that made the pandemic so much more challenging than just having things being taken away or having things cut off or separated I think have re- kind of starting recovery and going mm. through all of that 
it took me a lot to realize that like maybe God can be at work through me Mm. and that God can be at work through others helping me. And I think I'd like to believe that there is a little bit of God in me wiggling around in there somehow. (laughs) And I think that's the way I've seen God is through the way others have kind of built me up and surrounded me and pushed me and dragged me kicking and screaming Mm -hmm. to go do the things that I don't want to do and make me confront the things that I don't want to confront. That, that's been the biggest thing. And that's probably gotten me a lot further in my faith than just kind of keeping on going the way I've been going. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot to go through in addition to being in part in a global pandemic. Yeah. I think I liked to believe that it was just the pandemic making everything harder that and it it was helpful to to have a pandemic that I had an excuse to cut myself off from everyone. Mm. I had an excuse to kind of close off and there wasn't really anyone around to like hold me accountable or like see me or notice me and I that just fed into it and it wasn't until I actually started building back those connections again that I was surrounded by the support that I just Mm -hmm. kept on pushing away yeah yeah well I'm so glad to hear that you felt like God was working through other people to help you oh yeah find healing Mm -hmm. I mean I know that's a lifelong process Mm -hmm. so I will yeah continue to be praying for you in that and I also do want to affirm that you do have some God wiggling around inside of you. <laughs> but I don't think it took me to realize that until people, I think it took people kind of surrounding me and being like, hey, maybe there's something in you worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should mm-hmm. try to fight for it. Oh, I'm getting choked up about like, I think it shows that the pandemic took away my connections and I, I'm a person built on connections. That's mm-hmm. what I do and what I'm made of. And I think that it just kept, I would kind of close myself off and everything would just get worse. Cause I was closing myself off hiding, hiding from all that light that people just kept coming in and trying to shine on me. Mm-hmm. And I think once I started, things started gradually opening back up I saw the people that meant the most to me and one it's kind of like what what is that say? like the god in me sees the god in mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. that that's what it was is having someone come to me and say hey I care about you maybe there's something worth caring that you something worth that you should care for too mm-hmm. and I think it took that for me to be like oh okay yeah, I guess there is some God in me. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think we really, we need people to to remind us yeah. of that. And I, I mean, I think that's one of the, you know, struggles that I know that I've had and I think plenty of other people mm-hmm. have too is just like recognizing our own worthiness. Yeah. And kind of like you were talking about, you know, in reflecting on, who you were pre-pandemic and like putting that in things outside of ourselves Mm -hmm. 
This is what I wrote my Maundy Thursday sermon about, but it's like something I'm continually having yeah. to remind myself oh, yeah. of like every single day. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the gradual, like I can't, I'm in a phase right now where I'm relearning everything, like everything about myself. I'm relearning everything. And it's almost just like, I'm taking this chance to be like, okay, you see where having that tunnel vision, getting all in the thick of all of these things that you need to have define you. It's like, what, how can you reteach yourself? Maybe there, there's something else that does, that can't be measured or counted. Like what, what if, I'm not saying that's the fact, but what if, what if there's a possibility that maybe that's not all there is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's made the difference. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it sounds like you've really had some like deep, deep faith moments growing Mm -hmm. over this past year and a half. I mean, understanding your own identity, working through, you know, mental health stuff Mm -hmm. and, God, that so many people deal with that, and mm-hmm. so many people don't talk about it. So I'm just really grateful to you for being open about that. Well, I think the thing is, is it it kind of comes back to, I would love to put off to the world that I am like, I have it all together. I'm super put together, but that's not how it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why so many other people are struggling is because they think that that's how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think it. It took me a global pandemic to chill out mm. and to mm. realize that being more upfront and vulnerable and being like, I am absolutely nothing together mm-hmm. and I don't expect you to have it together either. It's so freeing. And I found that actually being upfront with this is how it is with my life yeah. has let so many people just be comfortable being being not okay Uh and I think that's just what I want is I think we just keep trying to stuff and Mm. put all of it behind the curtain and we just can't because that's not how it is yeah yeah it's okay to not be okay (laughs) well after everything you've been through (laughs) the past few years what are your plans for this summer and this fall. This summer, I'm actually interning at a church with um, Margaret Burnett, who was a former pastor at Idlewild. And she and I, every couple weekends, we're going to head up to Missouri. And I just get to be her shadow and kind of follow her around the church and see what the inner workings of a church looks like. And like I said, that's maybe what I want to do for the rest of my life. And kind of getting the chance to be up close, personal see all of it I want to see the good I want to see the bad and knowing how a church works and functions is so exciting to me and also um I am committed to run cross-country and track at Rhodes so summer training is starting soon so I'll be doing a lot of running this summer that sounds so fabulous (laughs) (laughs) um I am so excited for you to get to work with Margaret this I'm summer. I'm so excited. She's yeah. she's like been one of my big role models. And we all of our friends have this running joke with me that like my I may be 18 but my soul is actually like 
the soul of a 40 year old like, person. <laughs> Love it. And, yeah. And that, and that's just, that's the type of person I'm drawn to. And I'm so excited to go learn from her and learn from yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah. What are you most excited about experiencing or learning in your work at the church this summer? So I think I get, as a person who goes to church, I get to see all of the rehearsed sides of it, all of the planned sides of it. But I think I'm excited to see how it happens, the work that goes into what, looking at what makes a community tick, what's Mm. What's that foundation? How can we mm-hmm. build on that foundation? Mm-hmm. How do we reach out to others who are struggling? How do we gather in? How can we be more welcoming? And learn how leaders think about that and what they see and what they see in others and mm-hmm. what they see in themselves and how they can use that to build up a church. And yeah. I think, oh, I'm just so excited because I feel like a church is just pretty much like a physical representation of I think just our big big old life out there like you have people who are with you people who are against you people who are willing to put in the work people Mm -hmm. who aren't and I think it's just this little microcosm it's just so telling of how we could live in this bigger world Mm. and growing up in a place like Idlewild you see this place that does so many things so well and seeing so many people who care about so many things and like that's what I want the world to look like Mm. so how if this little church can be like it why why can't the world just be like it yeah so yeah it sounds like you're really focused um and drawn to the community building part of church and then maybe how we can translate that community building from the church like into the world Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. I know that you are still, like, early in your discernment and career um, thought process and all that. But, I mean, what piqued your interest in in working at a church this summer? Well, like I said, I have always just been to this, drawn to this really... (laughs) specific type of person I'm not even middle-aged clergy women are my people okay we have these like so at the end of the year every senior gets like a senior superlative and mine was most likely to be Rev Bush and Rev Bush is our chaplain oh that's fun and so it's just so funny like I feel like everything has just been kind of nudging me and pushing me towards this direction, like I'm super into writing and crafting works of fiction and nonfiction. And for the longest time I was like, maybe I want to be an English teacher. Mm -hmm. But then I realized, oh wait, I really like talking about these big things that seem really big. But once you kind of dive into it, I love talking about the big, I'm not one for small talk. Yeah. (laughs) I really am not. And it's just... I Clergy have, people aren't very good at small No, talking, I'm terrible so. at it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I always want to think about these big, hard ideas and just trying to be a person who makes other people feel comfortable about talking these big, mm-hmm. hard ideas. Mm-hmm. I think it's just all been gently nudging me and pushing me towards 
a life in ministry, mm-hmm. whatever, however that looks like. But I think it's also just being drawn towards the people at Idlewild and having those people show me this is what it means to be like a faithful follower of Christ. It doesn't look like a specific gender, race, age, even belief system. Mm-hmm. I love I love seeing how different people interact with themselves and their faith. And I think that's what makes me want to be part of a place that can make other people feel that way and feel comfortable. That's yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love all of that. I love that you've had such good mentors from oh Idlewild too. Yeah. I I totally I, I connect with that because when I was at Rhodes and I attended Idlewild sporadically when mm-hmm. I was in college. I will not say that I was like an avid church attendee, yeah. but um. But I remember seeing Ann Apple preach on several occasions, mm-hmm. and that was my first time consistently hearing a woman preach. Mm-hmm. And even though at that point in time I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, I think that was like my first little inkling of like, maybe that's something huh. I could do one day. Um it definitely made me want to get back involved in the church in mm-hmm. some capacity yeah. and see some good in it, you know, hearing the word proclaimed from mm-hmm. someone who looked like me. That was, that was a big deal. And I think it's, we're so, we're so privileged at Idlewild to have such a welcoming and like a, such a welcoming community I talked to some of my friends who are, some are apathetic towards the church. Some are like actively against it because they haven't had the chance to see and hear different voices there. I have, I've had one friend who was like, wait, you let women preach? (laughs) And for the longest time, I thought everyone, everyone had that cool female pastor that she looked up to, but I didn't realize that was the case for everyone. And hearing about people who had been turned away from the church, ignored. And I, again, it was so hard for me to realize like, oh wait, your church doesn't like you because you're gay. Wait, what? That, Mm -hmm. I think I forget. I'm so privileged at Idlewild and I've seen the church through one super welcoming lens. And I think I forget that there's this other section that, still hasn't figured out a way to include and welcome in others and I think that's that's the divide and I want to see in the future just more churches opening up and inviting in young people addicted people people of all different colors races I think that's that's a thing that's there's such a space between Idlewild I think of Idlewild as this like ideal I mean, we have our flaws. I'm not going to lie. We have them. But a place that's actively trying to be inclusive and welcome people into faith when I feel like so many people have been scarred by religion, that's that's important. I think Idlewild does it so well in being such a big church showing we ordain women, we ordain gay people. Like, come on. Like, mm-hmm. as long as you have a think in mind like you can be a believer and I think that's so that's so important 
Yeah. I mean, I think that's the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I heard someone say one time the only thing that Jesus excluded was exclusion. Yeah. And that really yeah. stuck with me. Ugh. And it makes me just like so excited for the future of the church <laughs> hearing you talk about yeah. making it more and more welcoming. And I know that, you know, and we as Adelaide have growing edges in that mm-hmm. too. Um, so I'm just excited to see what happens with people like you going into ministry. So as you make this big transition from high school to college, uh, what do you most hope for? Uh, in the coming years? So I think specifically college-wise, I I really wasted, in my high school time, I wasted a lot of time doing all the stuff I felt like I had to do and felt like I needed to do. Like taking classes, doing clubs, checking boxes. And I think I it took me a long time. Thank God I learned the lesson. I'm sad it took me that long, but... It took me to realize, like, figure for me to figure out what actually lights me up and gets me excited. And I'm excited to go and dive into that stuff. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I, I'm still an Enneagram type 3 at the end of the day. <laughs> I think, I'm really hoping I'm going to hold on to what makes me excited. Mm-hmm. And kind of step away from all the things that I think I have to do. Mm-hmm. Or have to study or learn mm-hmm. or accomplish in order to be a person and who's learning things. And I'm also mm-hmm. just excited for independence mm-hmm. and kind of getting to really just be a young adult on my own, kind of make decisions for my own life and kind of figure out what I want to do. That's really exciting. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like such a good space to be in, doing what makes you excited, not just what you think others' expectations might be. I love that, and I hope for that for you. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, the final question that we often end on in God in the Wild is more of a silly one. Okay, hit Um, me, hit me. (laughs) So, if you were stuck on a deserted island, what three things would you want with you? Ooh, three things. So, I think I need a friend. I need a person mm. just so I can like, kind of mm-hmm. go back and forth. Because I think on my own, I I would tend to get kind of sad if I were on a deserted island. So I kind of need a friend. Okay. It depends. I don't know who, but... A friend. I like a it. A friend. Yeah. I probably need some sunscreen. <laughs> Practical. Like, people, so I just got on TikTok, and I'm on the dermatology side of TikTok. And I have all these, like, dermatologists telling me that I need to take care of my skin. So I feel like sunscreen is kind of important. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then the third thing, maybe a boat so I can get off the deserted <laughs> island. I don't know if I want to stay on the deserted island. You want to have options. Yeah, I can take my friend in the sunscreen and we can just go. That's what I'm hoping for. I love that. <laughs> Company, skincare, and a way out. That's all you need. Yeah. I think those are awesome answers. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Jessica, so much for chatting with me. Um, I have so enjoyed talking with you, and I'm just really excited for the next steps of your life. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's an honor to be on here. Yeah. We appreciate it. 
All right, bye y'all. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you want to nominate someone to be featured on a future episode of God in the Wild, please contact Sherry Gross, coordinator of the Nurture Ministry Unit at sgross at idlewildchurch.org. May God be with you in the wild.